Daniel, the book of Daniel. We're going to back into the book of Daniel. We started two weeks ago trying to study the book of Daniel. We're going to have to move a little faster than what we're moving, or we know we'll get through this book. Uh, most churches know the book of Daniel as the three Hebrew children and the den lines for Daniel. And uh, maybe uh, the, the big image of Nebuchadnezzar. And that's basically what most churches know. But we want to look at it. It's a prophetic book, and it's needful. It's equivalent to the book of Revelation. And I don't know how in the world you could comprehend the book of Revelation without the book of Daniel. Matter of fact, uh, I believe Daniel is as much, important, as much of importance to prophecy as uh, the book of Revelation. Yeah, amen. I, I say, you say, which one to study? Both. Said which one? Both. Amen. Which one? Both. Which one first? Just take off one of them and drive you back to the other. Amen. Believe that with all my heart. I appreciate the book of Daniel. We're going to chapter number one. And tonight we're going to read verse number two. That's what we'll deal off of tonight. First uh, Wednesday, first Wednesday night we saw on this. We dealt with Jehoiakim and how he was taken down and his affinity he had with the king of Egypt, and he was brother of the king of Egypt, and he had a different name. His brother named him uh, this, and then he ended up giving Egypt the silver, the gold, and the brass. And then we find that Abel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar came in, and he's the one that took it over. We want to look at this tonight. I want to use, use another application. There's some places that every child of God ought to be careful about getting into. And you can. And I prove that tonight. We'll look at it from the Word of God. And I pray that God will help us. Now looking in Daniel chapter number 1, verse number 2. We'll read this one verse. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And he's talking about into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. With part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the... Uh, how, uh, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Now let's ask God's touch on that. And you said, well, that's got to be boring. Surely not. Amen. If you love the word of God, there shouldn't be none of it boring. <laughs> Amen. If you don't want to hear the word of God, it, it, it might be a little boring to you. All right. And I trust we don't have nobody that don't want to hear it. All right. Our Father, as we bow in your presence, we thank you tonight for the privilege of prayer, being able to open the Word of God and begin to dissect it and, Lord, look at it from a spiritual standpoint. Lord, a lot of these things we don't know we have to trust you for. And without the unction of the Holy Spirit, we can't, Lord, bring it forth. And I pray God you'd help us to comprehend through the Spirit of God tonight, what the Word of God says. We'll give you the glory, the praise, and the honor we commit it to you. In Jesus' name, we humbly pray. Amen. All right, this is the lesson number three of the book of Daniel, chapter one. And looking tonight, he says here, The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. I want to say tonight that God can sit down and raise up God can take somebody out of office and put somebody else in. I don't want to tell you, I don't want to get too far strung on this tonight, 
But what we have in America, what we have in any other country, God allows the leaders to come in. Uh, you can blame a lot of things for what we've got in our nation, but God allows that. And uh, if we've got something we don't want, and if we've got something we think we don't need, God knows best. And the reason we're where we are tonight is not because we got so many bad, foul leaders, but it's because I believe, and I see this in the Scripture all the way through, that God has allowed us to have these, not just to punish, uh, but and not just to, you know, for them to take office, but for you and I to get right with God. God speaks through leadership. I never would have believed we're living where we are now. Never would I preach this thinking it would come where it is. But now we look at this. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. We're going to look at this just a little bit, just touch it. I want you to see in this that God is giving a bad king to another bad king. Because the Bible said Jehoiakim, we studied that in the first lesson, that he was an evil king. He did that which was right, uh, evil in the sight of God. So God gives an evil king into the hand of a more evil king. But Jehoiakim is supposed to be of the bloodline, and, and we find that Nebuchadnezzar's not. And Nebuchadnezzar is the more wicked uh, king of Babylon than any of them. So we look at that. The second thing I want to notice is, that he's turned a disobedient nation, Judah, Israel, into the hand of a heathen nation. If you don't believe God can do that, I've seen it over and over and over through the Bible, and I've seen it over and over and over in my life in the United States of America. Have you? All right, I see. God raises up kings and sits down kings. And then I noticed something else that, they took part of the vessels of the house of God out of the house of God in Judah and put them in the house of Nebuchadnezzar's God. We'll talk about in just a little bit. And uh, they put the treasured vessels. You remember this is the Old Testament time. They offered sacrifice. We don't do that tonight because the supreme sacrifice has come. But they were putting them in the house of their gods. And so the devil is just as big on worship as Christians are. The only thing is he wants them to worship him. Amen. We got a lot of devil worship tonight across the country. Been throughout the Bible. This is not a subject that preachers preach on much. But that's the problem. We have that. We have a lot of devil worship all across the land and around the world. We're living in a time of that. And I'm going to show you in the next few weeks how that it's getting more prominent than it ever has been. Now, uh, Babylon is another country that's mentioned here. I'm going to talk about four countries tonight and touch on them a little bit to see that we don't need to be in them. One of them we do. And one of them is Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. Christians need to stay out of the world. Amen. Now we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Amen. We're to witness for God in this present evil world. Somebody said, 
uh, present evil. That's right. That's what it is. And God didn't save us out of the world. He did. He took us out of here. But he saved us out of the present evil world. He, he saved us from the evil of this world. Amen. You don't have to participate in the world. You know, the world has done a lot of influencing to the people of God. But we don't do too much influencing for the world. Why don't they listen to the church? Why don't the world uh, talk about the church? Why do they not want the church in it? Because it makes them uncomfortable. And you and I have calmed down, quietened down, silenced ourselves down, and we will not speak for him in this public, public, present evil world. Right? Yeah. Amen. I didn't say go on record and tell you now. You don't witness enough for God. Neither do I witness enough for God. Amen. They ought to hear that from the voice of every child of God tonight. Amen. About the salvation of the Lord. Now, I'll tell you something else. Part of these vessels was put over there and in the house of idols. Those vessels that they stored them in was the treasure house of their gods. There's two gods in that particular one. Baal is one of them. And Morodach, and these are found in Jeremiah 50 and verse 2. Look at that. Look at Jeremiah 50 and 2. It's a little bit, back up a little bit. Uh, you'll find Ezekiel and then go back on down and you'll find Lamentations. And I want you to read this. You'll see what it is. In Jeremiah chapter number 50, verse number 2. I'm taking my time. I want you to see this. He says in chapter 50 and verse number 2, Declare ye among the nations and publish and set up a standard. Publish and conceal not. Say Babylon is taken. Baal is confounded. That's one of the gods. Merodach is broken in pieces. Her idols are confounded. Her images are broken in pieces. And, and uh, that word Merodach uh, just simply means, he said, it's the chief deity of Babylon and the Babylonians. He's the chief god, if you will. We don't serve false gods, or not least supposed to, anyhow. And uh, he talks about it, and going down, and he says in verse number 2, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into the hand with part oh, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar. Do you know where Shinar is? Let's go back and look at the beginning of that book of Genesis, please. I'm going to rush through this because I'm going to stay there. I want to get some other stuff covered. In the, in the book of Genesis, chapter number 10. We want to go to Genesis chapter number 10. In the early part, you ought to know the first 10 chapters of the book of Genesis. That's where you get everything established from the beginning. And it actually goes over into the 11th chapter. You know, if you know the, the story of the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you're going to be pretty well set on what's going on in the rest of the Bible in sense. Because you see the whole creation and how the uh, nation has gone or those people have gone. In Genesis chapter 10 and verse number 10, the Bible said, And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. In verse number 9, it talks about Nimrod. Nimrod is the start of Babylon. And 
Eric and Akkad and Calne in the land of Shinar. You said, that don't tell me anything. But I go to chapter 11. We look over in chapter 11. It said, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Isn't that amazing? Now, we're talking about over 2,000 years or, or better, or right at 2,000 when we get to chapter 11. So people had only had one language for the first 2,000 years. And it says here in verse 2, And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. Can I remind you that they, they had two places they worshipped, false gods. One of them is in the plains, and one is in the high places. You'll see that throughout the Old Testament. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to let us make brick and burn them throughly. They had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. They said, Go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name. That sounds like America, don't it? Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now you remember these have come from Cain. These are the descendants of Cain. What did Cain do? I want you to take the best crops I've got, Lord. And God said, I'll not have them. Amen. He put a mark upon Cain and he, that comes his side here. That's how he's come down the track. And so God said, I won't do it that way. I told you blood. What did Cain do? Cain got mad and angry and wroth and killed his brother. You know the story. Now it said in verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city. Well, let me, let me, let me go back to verse 4. I want to point out something. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, or let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men build. And he said, and, and the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down. Who's to let us go down? Amen. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's mentioned in Genesis one twenty six. Amen. So we look at that. And there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. And they left off to build the city. Therefore, the name, uh, therefore is the name of it called Babel which later becomes Babylon, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. God knows how to take care of business. Now, let's go back to our thought. I just wanted to give you a little idea where Shinar is. But I told you a while ago, we need to stay out of the world. Children of God get in the world, and the world puts its mark upon them, and they fail from... Fail to live for God. Now you can be saved and be in the world. 
And you can be saved and become part of the world. But I want to tell you something. You'll never live a happy life. Be a miserable man or woman. Sure will. Your family won't, won't prosper. God's got to be first. The second thing we need, and the second place we need to watch for is uh, not only Egypt, but we need to stay out of Moab. Talk about that in a minute. Then the next place a child of God needs never move to, and of course these was put there, and not, got not get into Babylon. Uh, it appears that God can put us in Babylon. For our disobedience to God. Amen. Moab is God's wash pot. That's where Naomi went over to. Her and her husband and kids. And they died in Moab. And she went out sweet. But she come back bitter. Went out pleasant. Come back bitter. That's what happens to the wash pot. God goes to washing on you. He gets to change in your mind. Have you ever been spoken to by the Lord? After you've been saved? Amen. I hope you can say it lots of times. Amen. Makes me feel better because I've been there. And then another place that you certainly don't want to move into is Sodom. Sodom is judgment. And Sodom will take you out of this world. Amen. You've done seen that before. Now, what's interesting here, if we get to thinking about it, and I want to throw this in before I get too much deeper into this. Over in, in the uh, 2,000 years, the flood took place. 2,000 years, man had been here, then the flood took place, and somebody said, boy, in 2,000 years, you can have a lot of people birthed into the family of God. You can. And there was a lot in 2,000 years. But when the flood took place, there was not but eight souls is all that were salvaged. Out of 120 years of preaching of a great man of God. Now what that tell you? Tells you one meaning, listen, there's life in it, Noah, for 120 years. He was the bad man on the street. You go to preaching for Jesus today and you'll be the bad man on the street. Amen. Amen. You let some doctor or some philosopher or some high up in society has got letters behind his name and will drag the floor and he'll get your attention. The little old hillbilly preacher have a hard time with that. They don't want to hear that. And I believe that's what Noah was. I believe an old hillbilly preacher. Yeah. Amen. He preached one thing. Do you remember what it was? Somebody tell me right quick. Holler it out. What? You got it right the first time. He preached righteousness. Preach righteousness in this day and see what happens. Right living. Staying with God. Following God. Honoring the Bible. Loving Jesus. And you won't go over very well. So we find after 120 years, only eight souls. Him, his wife, his three sons, and his three daughter-in-laws. I give him credit for that. He at least had and paid attention to the Lord enough to win his family in. Thank God for that. And if all we could win here would be our family, that would be a great thing. But I'd like to take more than just my family, wouldn't you? 
Amen. Bothers me. I see all these kids that are just thrown from pillar to post. Not taken care of. Not taught the Word of God. I know a little bit about that. I was nine. I can't remember. I keep saying this. I don't remember where I was. Nine or ten when I first went to church. My daddy got saved. He was an old drunk. Watched him crawl out of the road with a neighbor. He'd argue with him and tell him, I'm going to get drunk, and his neighbor was the bootlegger. He'd feed him the booze. My daddy'd crawl out into the road or walk out there till he got so drunk, and he'd get in the road, and he'd tell the neighbor down the road, the bootlegger, he's running up and down the road in the car, and he'd just dare him to run over him. And the bootlegger was trying to do it. And my mama would go get him, lead him out on his hands and knees and get him up on the porch. And when she turned her back, he'd crawl all the way back out to the road. I never will forget that. That's been in my mind since a little boy. But one night I seen the old Baptist preacher come out to the house, him and his wife. And there's witnessing to my daddy. I didn't know what it was. And daddy would tell us boys and to get out of the room, we would. And uh, he had talked to them. But I'd go in the little side room right there, the bedroom, and I got behind the door and peeped through the crack. And I'd see him talking to the preacher. I didn't know what the preacher was saying. I'd never been to the church house. But that night I saw my daddy get down on the floor on his knees. And that preacher got down on his knees beside my dad. And that preacher's wife got down on the other side of my dad and they began to pray. And I, I could feel the presence of God. I didn't even know what that was. But I was fearful that night. I never will forget it. I felt the conviction of God. And I heard my daddy do something I'd never seen in my life. He began to cry out to God. And then he got up and they're shaking hands and daddy was a, waving his and a, praising God. And the preacher left and my daddy said, Boys, we're going to church Sunday. Going to church. He took us down there and I said, we had enough of us, we'd fill the whole pew up. We had one bench. And brother, I seen that. My daddy took us to church and I got saved because of that a couple of years later. And I thank God for it and I've never forgotten it. And I want to tell you, God can do that because somebody's got to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And I want to do what I can to get all I can in. That's why I, I try to, I try them every day. I, I, I got to, uh, so disrupted this evening thinking about somebody. And uh, I had to go to the doctor this morning so I couldn't have my little study. So I went over yonder to the place and I was saying, Lord, this ain't breakfast time, but maybe somebody will come in. Send me somebody. And sure enough, I sat there for about 10 minutes and I was about to think the Lord wasn't going to hear me. And then he sent me somebody in. Amen. And we sat there and talked a little while and talked about the things of the Lord. And they said they enjoyed that. And I said, well, thank you. Amen. Went back home. Felt better. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Yeah. Got to do it, folks. We got to win them to God. They're lost. They're on their way to hell. They're not going to a Sunday school picnic. They're going to hell. So we've got to do what we can. Now, I want to look at this tonight. God delivered the Israelites from Egypt. I ain't going to get into the story tonight. 
because I get sidetracked. But they had a reason they got in Egypt. One time, Abraham went to Egypt because there's a famine in the land. The reason a lot of people get in Egypt or Moab or Babylon or Sodom and those places is because something happens in their life. We are to be careful tonight, ladies and gentlemen, not let any obstacle or anything come up in our life that will draw us away from God. We need to free ourselves from that. This world will do everything it can to keep you from following God with all your heart. The devil will lay everything out in front of you. He'll try to describe it to you in such a manner. And even the Lord Jesus, he tried to promise the Lord Jesus that he would give him a kingdom. And at that time, he had the power to do it. Amen, I believe. And we're going to talk about that in another message. But I'm saying to you, the Lord, if he took that, and I mentioned this Sunday, if he'd have took that, he could not have died on the cross of Calvary. And the Lord come for one purpose, and that's to die for you and me. And he paid the price for my sin and your sin. And I say, thank God for it. But now God had to go to Egypt, sending a man by the name of Moses to get him out. He got him out of Egypt. But I want you to think about this. For 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness in uh, after they come out of Egypt, he never got Egypt out of them. They run around like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off. He never got Egypt out of them. You said, how do you know that? Well, they're over there murmuring. They're over there griping. They're over there complaining. Did you know that's something the child of God's not to do? That's right. You're right. <laughs> Amen. Take that to heart now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they got to dancing. They pulled their clothes off. They made him a golden calf. You know, Aaron, he, he was kind of a little liberal. Even though he's the brother of Moses and, and a type of the saint of God. Amen. Christian folks tonight is what's caused us a lot of problems in America. Now you say, how do you get that? This. We act like the world. We look like the world. We live like the world and they look at us and we look at them. And did you know tonight you can't, you can't give them Jesus, but they can give you what they believe. And they do it. Amen. And so lots of times we, we, t- we tell them what we do and they say, well, I saw you over yonder at a bad place the other night. And you can find church folks where they ought not to be. Amen. I never will forget this. Uh, several years ago, we was in a hurry, me and my wife and boys. I don't know where the, all this, I don't know where they had got out of the house yet or not, but maybe it was just my daughter. But we were going somewhere when we was in a hurry. But something, uh, I say, I had to pull in and get gas or something at some place. And I said, I got to have some gas. And I pulled in there. My wife said, You know what this is? I said, What? She said, It's a bottle shop. I said, oh, okay. I didn't know a bottle shop was where you get liquor. Never heard that in my life. I thought it was a bottle, bottle shop where you buy bottles. And I looked at it and said, it is all right. I had to back out and go somewhere else. But if somebody went by and see me sitting there, you see what I'm talking about tonight? We've got to be careful. 
And so I look at that tonight and I say to be careful wherever you go. You got to be on your toes every time. They were murmuring. They were griping. Uh, there's dancing around before a, uh, uh, for a golden calf. And I look at these things. And I, I say, oh, God, help us. Now, let me just give you something I want to throw in tonight. I'm not going to get off of Egypt, I don't guess. I know God took them out of Sodom and Gomorrah. He took Lot. There's only four of them, his two daughters and his wife. And part of their heart was still down there. I believe that's why Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. The two daughters weren't highly educated in this Christian world. Because they got their daddy drunk and had children with him. Amen. And so you know some things is going wrong there. But God spared uh, them out of Sodom. And at that same time, did you know Abraham questioned God and even laid his petition before God at verse 50, 40, come on down to 10? And Abraham didn't go any further because he thought at least there's 10 people in Sodom and Gomorrah. Had you thought about that? I've preached that before, but did you know Jesus? Let's just talk about Jesus for a minute. Jesus had a ministry on the earth for three and a half years. Now some that's not, that's not a long ministry, is it? But at the end, they said, let him... Be crucified. They put him in the grave. He rose on the third day. And after he arose, he'd been touching blind eyes, deaf ears, dumb tongues, miracle after miracle, raised the dead. But then during the little time left on the earth, what did he do? He appeared to those. And when he went up off the Mount of Olives, he had 500 and told him to wait for the promise of the Spirit. And before, before the ten days for that meeting time, for the Spirit of God to come, it done dropped down to 120. So if Jesus can't keep them, what makes you think you can? You just got to learn to keep at it. Amen. You know, I believe that's what Jesus tells us to do. Yeah. Keep at it. He didn't say it in them words, but that's what he said. He told us to go preach to them. Keep preaching. Keep witnessing. Keep giving out tracts. Yeah. Keep telling them about Jesus. Amen. Keep working for the Lord. Now, working won't keep you saved. Won't get you saved. But I'll tell you what it will do. Help your reward. Yeah. If you're doing it for your heart. Somebody said... Oh, I can't hardly wait to get to heaven and win a full reward. I want to tell you something. I'm working today not to keep saved nor to get saved. I'm working for one reason, because I love Jesus. And I trust that I'll get some reward. Amen. I'd like to have it all, but I'd like to have as much as I could. And I'm working, but you know what? We're not going to be judged for what we do in works, it's what our heart was in our works. You can build big buildings and put lots of money in and pass out tracks to your blue in the face. You can run up and down the country doing great things and mighty things. But if your heart was not in that, 
you will not be judged, you know, will not be rewarded for it. One thing I don't want to do is when I get there, the Lord burn up everything. Amen. And it goes up in smoke. Well, got off track just a little bit. But I think about these people that run after these other Bibles. I know that I get accused, and I hadn't preached on it as much the past few years as I used to. And I used to talk about the King James Bible so much. Well, I'm fixing to start back on it again. Because that's, all, that's my only book. Amen. I don't have nothing else. Amen. And if this church don't feel that way, you just need to get, get ready because I'm going to hammer on it. Amen. It's just my book. I've never preached out of another. And all I've done is compared some sometimes. But I'm going to tell you where I feel. God gave me this thought. I was driving up the highway today. And God broke my heart. Sitting in that old truck. And I looked at this and I thought, these people that will grab that NIV, I've used to say that the NIV is probably going to be the world Bible. And it may still, I don't know. I, I, I ain't trying to predict that or nothing. But it'll be something besides the King James. Because when us King James Bible thumpers get out of here, that Bible's gone. Even for the church members, a lot of the church members that don't want Christ today, but they name His name and don't know Him, they'll get left behind, and I don't believe they'll be looking for people that's preaching out of the King James. You might want it, but it's too late because God will put on you a strong delusion. And you'll believe a lie and be damned. That's what the Bible says. Now, listen. I don't know why anybody would preach or read or study out of the NIV Bible. That's re- you know, in our print shop down here, we print a lot of books. And I got a book on comparison of NIV and the King James. There's others that I could write that book on. But the reason I picked to write that book is because the NIV has seven verses that's entirely dropped out of it. It's not in your King James Bible. It skips from like say it's verse 6. It'll go from 5 to verse 7. Why would you want to read a book? What did I say? How many verses did I say? 17. Excuse me. 17 verses has been dropped out of the NIV that you will not find. That won't. Won't be found in it, but it'll be found in the King James Bible. You say, what's up? This. They didn't want that. Now we, and, and you know what we do? We, we criticize them for reading the NIV. But here's the thought God gave me this evening. We've got people in our churches that's carrying King James Bibles. And they're full authority, authorized version. And we don't live by it. And we're saying, God, I differ with you on that. You don't tell yours, you don't come out loud, but that's what you're doing when you will not obey this book.
Now, let me ask you what we're going to be judged by when we get before God. We're going to be judged by our, for our works, and there's two things going to be present. It's going to be the Word of God and the Spirit of God and, of course, the Lord Jesus. And it don't matter what somebody else has told you, whatever preacher's told you something's not right, you're going to have to give account for yourself from this book. Some of you men can say, I don't see nothing wrong with that. You better get your idea right. Ladies, you don't see nothing wrong with this. You better get yourself right. God ain't going to argue with you. He ain't going to let you have a last word. Can you see the people in hell is going to be raised one of these days and they'll stand before God. And I'm not talking about the, the, the saved people. Now I'm talking about the lost people. And they can tell God why they did not accept His Son and God ain't going to give them the time of day. You said, that's not the God I'm serving. Then you got the wrong God. God said, depart from me. I never knew you. Called them, you workers of iniquity. And death and hell is going to give up. They're dead. And the Lord's going to say death and hell is going to be cast into the lake of fire. I don't believe he'll weep. I believe they'll weep. You said, you mean God would do? I'm saying exactly that's what God would do. To judge the seat of Christ. If you're saved and you hadn't obeyed this book, God's going to remind you. Now, God speaks to me when I go wrong. I don't know about you, but He speaks to me. When He speaks to me, I have to do one of two things. Keep on doing it and pay God no attention, or I've got to say, Father, forgive me. And I'll pay the price. Now, this is not popular preaching, but this is the kind of preaching God wants. Amen. Now we, we say, well, I love this and I love that. You better say you love the King James Bible, but you better start obeying the King James Bible. God didn't give us this to poke it in our back pocket and never study it and read it or apply it to our hearts and lives. Amen. I know people that deny the Word of God. I know some that cuss like a sailor. I know some that drink and alcohol and take a social drink and they gamble and they hate people and they fornicate and they commit adultery and they take dope and they call themselves Christians. But you know what? I see that all the time. But if there's something that always comes back to me. I remember when I was just a little boy or got up and be teenage years and then when I even started preaching in, in my early 20s, late, well, 19, uh, right at, at the year 20 in my life, I'd see old people come out of the community, come to our church where the preacher was preaching. And I watched them preachers preach and the power of God fall on them. See, we're missing the power of God. Oh, yeah. Amen. You're right. And I'd see them old preachers walk down the aisle and preach, weeping and crying and see them sweat like a mule in the, in the field. And I feel the presence of God just as a little old boy. 
early teenage years of my life and even before that, the preachers would preach and while they were preaching, I could feel something in that church. I was so uncomfortable. I was so miserable. And I knew, I might look around to see who I could see. Just like a, like a, a, like a cloud had come in. And uh, people, and then we'd give an invitation and people come to the altar. One to get saved here and one to get saved there. And I watched that for years. And they'd get up and give a testimony. And they'd be an old drunk of the community. And they'd say, you know, I've been drinking alcohol all these years. And said, tonight, God saved my soul. Well, they didn't go back out and keep on a drinking like they do today. They didn't go out and just cut their drinking down. They didn't go back out and join up an alcoholic anonymous. They didn't go to rehab because God rehabbed them right here in the altar, not here, but in the churches. Amen. I've known some that wasn't nothing but cussers, liars, liars, and cheats running around on their wife or running around on their husbands. And they'd get right with God and they'd say, Thank God He saved me. Six months later, they're still saying, Thank God He saved me. And they'd had a bad reputation. And God turned their reputation around and made it real. And people got confidence in them. Next thing you know, they ordained them as deacons and put them in for teachers. And Amen. Now people go to the altar. They get up and said, I feel better. Tell me I'm wrong. I see it all the time. Repeat after me. Mainly all we're getting today is the little kids that we kind of twist and warp. And I'm not trying uh, to make anybody repeat a prayer after me. I can't save them. But I like the Holy Ghost conviction where they get under conviction. I don't try to draw them to the altar. I want them to come on their own. And I want the church folks to get behind me. And let's pray together so that when they come to the house of God and they're lost, I mean, if it's just a little inclination at all that they don't know God, I pray God make them so miserable they can't stand themselves till they run down the aisle and get saved. That's what I want. That's what God wants. I used to hear this. Several years ago, I know... I've seen it over. You know, I've had about as many church members that have walked the aisle and got saved as I have people that just walk in off the street and get saved. There used to be a time we had enough power in the house of God that that Holy Ghost would bring conviction on a church member that had been playing church for so long. Some of y'all may have been that way down the road. Uh, I got saved and I was been the same saved I reckon ever since then. A few times I doubted my salvation, but God always straightened me out on that when I was just young till I got the assurance of my salvation. And tonight I know, I know that I'm saved. I don't have no doubt about it. I don't stop to think about it. But I've seen church members I pastored down through the years that come down the aisle and got in the altar and you'd see a great difference in their life the next day. I believe you get it, you get it. Amen. That's 
I believe it goes down into the marrow and the bones. <laughs> Amen. I've been to church and I've preached. I've seen them walk down the aisle and two days later they're back out yonder where they were. And I say, well, they just had a change of mind. I believe we need a change of heart. Mamas and daddies need to be filled with God. Men and women need to be filled with God. Preachers need to be filled with God. You know, I believe today we've got multitudes of preachers that are standing in the pulpit every day or ever chance to have an opportunity at their times that are lost without God. I run into one today, I know. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. I see it all the time. That's why they're quitting too when they get so old. Amen. And uh, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to expire. I hope for that I refire. I love to preach. Especially tell the truth. I got the story. I don't know about you. I got the story. Amen. I've seen all this. And I appreciate it. Well, we'll quit. I could say a whole lot more about this verse too. Now you're going to see something when we get down to verse number three. We're going to talk about Daniel and the three Hebrew children there. And I believe you can see what a real Christian is out of them boys. Amen. And I may hope, or I hope when we talk about it, I hope you don't keep calling them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hope you learn their names. Amen. You know why we say it? For two reasons. The devil wants us to know, wants us to magnify the names that he gave them. And two, uh, he wants to get the glory out of that. He don't want us to see the difference. He wants us to take an earthly idea. You see, I want to tell you something. The devil is in charge of all this. He's the prince and the power of the air. Well, I got a hush. I'll be on another sermon. Let's bow our heads and ask God's guidance tonight. Father, thank you for the privilege of being at the house of God. Touch these people. Lord, thank you tonight for the liberty. Thank you, Lord, for the unction of the Spirit. I thank you for the presence of the Spirit of God tonight in our hearts. And I pray, God, you'll continue to speak to those that maybe you spoke to. And Lord, those that maybe you didn't speak to, that you'll speak to them in the night hour. Or wherever they go, wherever they're at. I pray, God, when we get slowed down and settled down and on our beds, I pray the Holy Ghost take over and speak to us. Lord, we need to be spoken to you. Lord, you speak to the preachers and the preachers speak to your people, but I pray that tonight, God, you'll speak to them because the preachers already spoke. And I pray that the Holy Ghost of God will drive this thought to their heart and to their heart, their heart down deep inside. And we'll listen to you. We pay attention. Have your way. We commit it to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.